This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Abby, I think we've been stuck in there for months. <laughs> yeah, Tommy, I think since episode 54 or something. But where are we now? Hey, beats me. The time has come, come, come. Holy cannoli, I can't believe it's time. Time for what? No clue. Time for the third season, season, season. What, fall? No, not that season. You know... The third season? Oh, that show is back. Yeah, that with the dude in the silver suit and the little baby Yoda. <laughs> so freaking adorable. I love when they do that one thing. No, where, the third season of the podcast, podcast, podcast. They're still doing that. Sheesh, this guy's got to get a life. Wait a sec. What is that up there? It looks like a button of some kind. Press here to start season three. Well, that was oddly specific. What do you think, Bobby? Shall we press it? Well, we don't exist otherwise. Might as well do it. Press it, press it, press it. Press All right, season three. Ready or not. Here we come. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is The Potential Podcast. Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. 
Well, Taylor, it's hard to believe, but here we are. The launch and start of our third official season on this podcast. So uh, thank you for those who have been continuing to listen in, uh, who've been following us now for a while. And for new listeners out there, join us for the first time. Welcome. This is a podcast that we talk all things pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And this is the start of our third official season. It's kind of crazy, Taylor, to think that, you know, the we're still dealing with the pandemic, of course. I feel like a lot more things have become easier uh, with vaccines and boosters and all that. But this podcast came out of the po- you know the pandemic. We started back in uh, you know around this same time in 2020, starting to work out. Yeah, through a tough time, the podcast <laughs> rose from the ashes. Um, yeah, you know, to speak of that, the pandemic. I think it's very interesting, you know, with, with all the boosters and the vaccinations and I commend people for getting their vaccinations or boosters, not just for yourself, for other people. And for those, you know, we are still in the pandemic, but it's such a different situation than it was two years ago when we first started this, when you and I were both stuck at home. And to think that if you had COVID this time, two years ago, oh, you're a goner. And now to think that COVID is just like, you know, you and I have had both experienced COVID, both ourselves, our family, but we were okay to the point where it was like mild symptoms. And we're very thankful for that too. But it's so weird to think that like... Yeah, it was a much more dangerous uh, time in the beginning. And uh, I mean, not everyone, you know, had that issue, but it definitely was scary. So it is great that, you know, we're we're getting to go out and experience things a lot more now. And still wearing masks and still, you know, dealing with it, but hopefully great. If by the end of this year, we kind of see a overall uh, shift uh, back to normalcy. Cause I know a lot of States are removing that mask mandate, but you know, enough about our, that was like our safety topic of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. We're back season three, you know, we've done now, geez, we did 30 episodes in season one and we did 40 episodes in season two. So we definitely uh, wanted to push ourselves last year, but, you know, on top of doing all these reviews or potential picks, uh, occasionally a past potential picks, sometimes a bonus episode, we thought this year we're going to do a little bit different format. So we're going to bring you 20 full episodes for season three every other week. A little easier on us, and that way we can put a little more, uh, you know, jam pack into those episodes yeah emphasis on more quantity than quality and as you know if you saw from our you preview, mean quality more than quantity sorry that's what i meant a quantity of time Scratch that reverse that yeah <laughs> that's what i meant quality versus quantity but i think it's exciting because now we have a chance to dedicate more to these episodes making them polished nicer and also you know we're gonna have some guests here and we're gonna get get more of a time because as you said, in the last two years, a lot has changed for both of us. So, uh, But we're excited to come back here with a brand new season. And thank you, as Chris said, for joining us. Speaking of like new you know, things that we're talking about, um, what's been very exciting, one big development for you and I, we were very pumped about. We finally both have a PS5. <laughs> it, it took long enough. Yes, for those who've been waiting and waiting, obviously we have not had a chance to discuss this because... Uh, the last few months during our kind of hiatus, we've been doing just our potential picks, but uh, you secured one quite a while ago, back in like, what was it, March or so of last yeah, year? It's, yeah, it's coming up like a, a year, um, but of course, it was still, of course, I finally got one, and then I was traveling, so I barely had time to play it. So now I've had a little bit more. Not yeah. a system you plan to pack and uh, fly everywhere. Oh, I tried, enough. I tried, but oh. because you're going from different hotels, every time you have to set it up, you have to adapt that system to the television and it almost like destroyed my ps5 because it would like it wasn't turning on i was like and i'm not traveling with that again it's not worth it but yes i finally uh, managed to get one in uh november it was a glorious day a glorious morn uh so it's been so nice to have that again and to get to actually start to play new video games so of course you know stay tuned throughout this season we will actually get to review new video games again. You know, it's something we've definitely missed out on, especially when it comes to PlayStation. But speaking of video games, we're big fans of playing video games. Obviously, it's a big part of our brand and who we are as fans. But there's also a genre that has, you know, continued to try to thrive 
not necessarily always to the best ability, but sometimes it is worked out. And I think lately Hollywood has found a better formula for this type of genre. And that is the video game to film adaptations, which is our big launching topic here for season three. You know, just a few weeks ago, we had Uncharted come out and it's interesting to see, you know, if you look at the history of what properties have been chosen to be turned into film, and now we're also going to start getting a boom into television. Typically, it has just always been hit as a not successful medium. It's there's something that uh, box office performance, quality of movie, sometimes the decisions that are made and what the plot is, the characters. Sometimes it's it's baffling to fans of video games what Hollywood chooses to put in the movies that represent these games when everything's laid out for you right there in the games. It's like you have the story. Why are you just adapting it straight? And there's a couple of reasons why it doesn't work. But what have your thoughts been on Taylor? Why why we're continuing to make video game to film adaptations? I mean, clearly not everyone is a gamer, and there are some games that have such rich stories. Well, two phrases for you. Two phrases for you. Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. And also, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why I say that is because you hit the nail on the head here. You hit the you know cartridge in the slot. Um, video game reference. Uh, <laughs> we're we're old enough. Uh, the the thing about it is when you gear these films, you the biggest critique or critic that you're going to get is the gamers themselves because you have gamers who love these properties, so they're going to be the hugest critic of your game and like not necessarily in your corner. And then you have the other side of people who don't play video games. So they're going to be like, well, I like this film, but I've never played the game. So there's a huge divide. So what I think the, what I think about video games to movies, I have always been apprehensive just because of what history has shown that I don't know if it's going to be good, but then there comes along a couple of, uh, you know, chances where I've been surprised, but I think it is a very difficult thing to master. And I think one of the biggest things of why it is difficult to master is video games become a very personal experience that you can never repeat. Capture. Yeah, you can't once, recapture you know. that moment. Even if, even in games that are linear, where you're gonna, you know, it's only mission to mission to mission, not all these side quests and things, you're still gonna play it a different way every time. There's gonna be a different way you you go through it. And I think the hard thing is with these adaptations is we're having to follow the one choice narrative of these characters where maybe if you got to do in the video game there'd be multiple options and it's kind of hard that way is you know you get to control the characters whereas you're going to see a, a movie you're just watching the characters yeah you're in the you're in the passenger seat so it's it's kind of like you know you know like you think about the i think about the situations like when i was younger where you know we would have the one video game console and if there was games that were one player and me and my brothers wanted to play, you know, you had to take turns. And when you're not the one playing and you're just watching, it's still fun to watch. But there's part of you, it's like, I want to be the guy with the controller. Yeah, that's our OCD coming out. That's our OCD coming out, too, because I'm like, <laughs> you're so stressed out. Like, what are you doing? And like, you're just sitting there clawing your hair and eyes out because you're like, I could do so much better. <laughs> but yeah, I, and, and so much of our childhood was one player game. Okay, let's, you know, going back in time here, we're going to start to take it go back to all the way to the 19. 90s 90s yeah this is when we first started really having our uh video game to movie adaptations and really for those who are you know wondering what this whole can be today we're really focusing on the live action films that were represented in the united states you know and then you know to the countries outside of that not so much the anime style you know animated you know yeah, we're not familiar with it we talked about, you know, in our Pokemon episode, how there's been several Pokemon movies, especially in Japan. You know, that's that definitely is a, a launch off of the card game, the TV show. The, you know, there's been several video games as well, but really focusing on the on the American ones. So, of course, we start off with a movie that, uh, oh, wow, I haven't seen this movie in ages. I almost feel like this would be a movie to watch again if I was under the influence of something or heavily <laughs> drunk. But um you know, Super Mario being one of the most iconic characters of all time, Nintendo's, you know, Mickey Mouse. We had the Super Mario Brothers movie that came out in 1993. This is like the launch of, oh, let's take a, a video game and turn it into a movie. Oh, boy. This movie, from all that it's been uh, remarked as, is nothing but a complete 
fail, you know, complete miss. But there's a cult following about it. You know, I think some movies are so bad. People love to go back and watch them. And now to think we've not had a Mario movie since. And now we're getting a brand new end of this year, fully animated Mario movie for the first time. But to think that this movie was so bad. It has a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. It made just under $40 million. It ha- There's been no other attempt at a Mario movie since. So, you know, and I mean, hey, Bob Hoskins and uh, John Leguizamo. I mean, it's kind of funny to think of the casting, the two of them as Mario and Luigi. And then you have like Dennis Hopper as Bowser. But like, he doesn't look like Bowser. It looks like a human with like a headpiece on, you know? Well, I think, yeah, and, and that was the thing. And this is where expectations versus reality. And I think looking back on it, that the fact that the screenwriters are given free creative license by Nintendo, go go at it. It's got this weird like Ghostbusters meets Wizard of Oz kind of like dark. It was very dark and like, you know, grimy and gritty that it was I, I it didn't have. And that. Mario is so bright and colorful. I even know, in mean, the dark on, areas. Even his personality. It's a me, a Mario. Oh, yeah. you know. So, yeah, uh, I wonder if we'll ever get a live action attempt again. But I think even then it's going to be interesting. You know, the rumors we're hearing about this whole Mario movie is a lot of uh, great comedic actors been cast. But, you know, Chris Pratt has been said he's not going to be doing an Italian accent. So it's like, are we just taking away what is the character, you know, to this whole point? Not sure. Also, it's like, you know, you're like, you have to be bankable stars. You can't have like an unknown. Like, it's like Chris Pratt, man. Now he's just, he's in everything now. No offense, Chris Pratt. Love you. But are you Mario? Calm down now, dude. (laughs) I know. He does so much. Well, okay. Let's see. Moving on from there, you know, I think, I think the films that have been actually successful in some ways, uh, we've had continual attempts at them. Again, sometimes it's the special effects of the day. But now, the fighting games that have been a- a- adapted into films, I think, are it's a it's a good choice because, although again, yes, you wish you could be playing so many rich characters the way they can visualize on the big screen. So we've had Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Those three were all very close to each other, ninety four, ninety five, ninety seven, and actually, you know, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat did pretty well, uh, box office wise. All of them have. Again, not the best uh, ratings when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes. But I remember, you know, like, I've only seen Street Fighter, like, once or twice. But, I mean, you got, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know, it's like, you got these great actors. Um, what's the guy? He played Gomez in the Adams Family movies. Oh, Raul, Raul Julia, you know, is, like, is in them. And then, like, Mortal Kombat. I mean, it definitely is a movie that... <laughs> There's a cheesiness to it that, like, against that cult following status. I actually really like the Mortal Kombat movie from 95. I think it has some great fights. It has, I think, some great casting choices. Annihilation was a big joke to me. It's just so bad. But again, it's something to do with, like, the visual effects at the time. You know, they're trying to do these games that are, like, very violent. And we're not choosing to go rated R either. That's also, I think, a misstep sometimes. Well, and I think, think about it, you know, you're look early 90s. I mean, it was not till like the mid to late 80s when PG-13 started becoming a thing. And then we're getting to R rated territory more. And then NC-17. I mean, these were established, but I think, and this will come up later, the challenge is having video games uh, in the movies that are violent you want to have it that if the you know experience of the movie just like the video game but you want to tone it down so you can have a general audience and now that's almost to the disservice of the movie it's like you need to like play to your audience and they'll come Mortal Kombat came back again um very you know last year and again it's like it's great that the visual effects have caught up to you know especially the newer games are you have these very fantastical fatalities that you can do there's a lot more characters now and even those moves were like it slows down you like break the bones and stuff they incorporated more of that into the latest mortal Kombat film which is getting a sequel and there was some really cool visual effects moments like sub-zero and scorpion they all looked much better still wasn't a great plot 
so against that fine line of we're rehashing stuff now the visual effects have caught up but we're still not finding that great story you know mortal kombat the first mill the first film although yes it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that some of the new technology has it had a better story because it just focused on the tournament and that's what it's all about it's again again like i said if it ain't broke don't fix it exactly but truly okay i think when it comes to if you look at uh the films that really started to make a change for there's a possibility that this can be a very lucrative business is definitely 2001's Laura Croft Tomb Raider starring Angelina Jolie. Absolutely. That was a huge turning point for video games to be put on screen. It made at that moment in time, the highest grossing film was Mortal Kombat made just under 125 million. Tomb Raider grossed just under 275 million. So, you know, $150 million difference here. Now, I remember Lara Croft Tomb Raider. I didn't really play the Tomb Raider games very much when I was young. Definitely remember seeing them. I think it's because some of the games I just didn't have that system or wasn't something I was highly interested in. It wasn't really until Uncharted that I became a big like, oh, I want to play these games where you go off and explore tombs and ruins and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and the new the new Tomb Raider games are awesome. But man, that movie had the budget, it had the cast, it had the effects. Again, maybe not the most best plot on the planet, but that was a turning point where it was like, let's really make it a big blockbuster, a big summer blockbuster. Do you remember watching that movie? What were your thoughts on that Tomb Raider? I, I, I did love that one. I, I just, and that was like, I think, I think everyone, you know, of, of our young age, I mean, when that came out, I was only, you know, 11, but Huge crush Angelina. I mean, this is like this is when she's really starting like to her career starting to launch, and that was like putting her name on the map. But yeah, I think it's the perception, you know, versus reality. Like, so it's like, okay, what it like? I, you know, this is what I have in my head, and then wow, it matched really good. Like everyone's like, that is Laura Croft. It's like it's just you know, again, seeing in the movies when you cast characters that fit the mold like you think about okay who was wolverine that's hugh jackman you know who's laura croft that's angelina jolie so and i think that was a great because it's like okay this is my laura croft this is you know but i do remember how epic it was and especially you know this is 2001 i mean this is very early on where action flicks are really becoming like more and more amazing that was right around the time when like mummy came out um you know two years prior so yeah and i think you know we hadn't had anything really an epic you know kind of crusading film since the indiana jones movies so this was really cool to like to start that kind of like this could lead to like an amazing franchise plus those games were so beloved and yeah i never played them either but i remember like that was the big thing like laura croft is like you know, when people had crush on video game characters, like, oh, Lara Croft, you know. Well, they always, of course, the 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 almost funny design of, like, she always was uh, very gifted in the chest area. Yeah. And, you know, like, the way that she always dressed in that, like, the short, short look with the short sleeve shirt. And, but there's a badass nature to her, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't really a ton of uh, big name female video game characters, especially that led a game. So Laura Croft was definitely beloved, but even like the film, I mean, you had like John Voight, Daniel Craig, you know, like there was some big names. Jura Marmont before yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ian Glenn. And of course the movie did well enough that it did get a sequel. It got Laura Croft, the cradle of life, uh, which didn't do as well. I mean, it still made 156 million, but that's that was also a big thing we were seeing now you know obviously mortal kombat got one but continual sequels for franchises and the other big one was at the time although it didn't make as much money but clearly has had the most sequels i mean god it's like they keep making them i'm like how many more can you and now there's, there's a new one that came out we have resident evil was the other big franchise talk about one of a huge uh the hugest video game franchises ever and one that did not follow the movies and was still successful in its own right. I mean, the games, yeah, I didn't really follow oh, the games. Yeah, the yeah. movies did not follow the games. They kind of just took, they took plot points from the games, but definitely that one's a hard one, I think, to do unless you're going to, you know, because clearly it's, yeah, it's weird that they've done what now with, with Mila Jokovic, they did what? Like, 
There's gotta be what five or six of them? Six. Six films with her starring in those in those films. Six movies. So like, and the thing is, none of them have made like that much money that really grants them. I mean, let's see. First one made 102 million, the sequel 129 million. Three extinction, 148 million, which is pretty good. I mean, the last one she did was probably the highest made with over 300 million. That was the highest grossing one. Yeah, 312. Yeah. So I mean, and obviously, yeah, ticket sales have you know have, have gone up and all that stuff. But it's it's pretty impressive to think that that lasted so long. I mean, I definitely have seen the first two. Yeah, first three for me. I mean, that was also the big gore factor in that. I think that was one of the first rated R like really dark you know video game movies and I, there was some cool effects with like the choices of the zombies and how they could do that and but yeah it's, i never i never kept up with it i just remember there'd be a trailer like every couple of years and it'd be like oh my gosh they're doing another one yeah exactly yeah exa- it's one of those like franchises and but also think about not only resident evil but that time from the early 2000s and you would see that then for, you know, from early 2000s till, you know, coming into, you know, late 2000s. That was a whole slew, a string, if you will, of horror video game adaptions of film. So it was like, you know, we got Resident Evil. Then we've got Blood Rain, Silent Hill, House of the Dead. Um, Alone it was in all the, the Dark, yeah. Yeah, so we have all these like more, or Doom, yeah. So we had all Doom. these mm-hmm. these more like, okay, Cora was like, you know, let's let's go for the gore fact. Let's go for that. This is like what's going to sell. So it was very interesting. That was kind of like the renaissance of video game horror films. And that would go on, on and off, you know, especially, I mean, now we also got the most recent without Mila was the Resident Evil. But I mean, that came on for at least from early 2000s to the 2010s. We've got all these horror films that were coming yeah, out. Yeah, Hugh Ball um, really took an interest in this uh, and he directed many of these films that came in this time period. None of which surprisingly did very well or have high ratings of uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But I, I remember seeing uh, of this time period, I think I started, Silent Hill actually did decently well, you know, almost 98 million. Silent Hill, I remember being, you know, there, there's a, Horror video games were not something that I definitely got into until later in life. And I remember like one time I remember I bought Doom 3 and for like the computer and it said on the box, like recommended turn off all the lights and use headphones for the best experience. I didn't make it past, you know, the first like 15 minutes. It wasn't necessarily because I was scared. It's because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was so confused, like. (laughs) And I, I haven't really got, I really haven't continued to play video games on the computer in a long time. I'm much more for the console, but Doom is a franchise that I do love. And the new games, Doom and Doom Eternal are a lot of fun. But yeah, the Doom movie, which stars good old Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a movie that I think one thing I remember really liking about this one is there's a shot where it's like, first person shooter for a while that was cool to me because that is such a big part of those games but otherwise it's not really like (laughs) a beloved film and it's i think doom would be successful now if they did it with the big budget where they really could do the visualization of all the big demons and monsters that you go off and fight like the new games are based off of you know that could be really cool they kind of did the more someone gets you know inflicted and then become the monster kind of thing yeah kind of alien zombie kind of you know route which uh, i agree um another franchise that i i never was a huge fan of it but then with the more recent titles come out i really got into it was the hitman series and they made some attempts there in uh, 2007 was hitman with uh one of my favorite actors uh timothy oliphant and that was like the premise, like, again, not, not a good, it missed the mark really on that one. And I think because they kind of, again, they would end up doing another one with a completely different actor. But the problem with that was you have this, you're trying to make these likable characters, but the hitman is like, his protagonist is not really some like cool dude. He's just very stoic, very serious. And just like, he's just a contract killer. So it was like, it was that interesting take, but 
One movie that I was really excited about because I played all the games and I was very let down was Max Payne. I uh, am. Yeah. What are you talking about? Max Payne, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> now I'm an uncharted. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm taking him over. I remember Mac. I remember the trailers come out for Max Payne. I never played the games, um, but you know, I'm I'm usually a pretty big fan of Mark Wahlberg. And yeah, I heard that overall the movies. It's again, it's like this is the time period where we're continually seeing these failures, these hit and miss attempts. Uh, you know, a lot of these films poor ratings, reviews are bad, and it's like. Where is it? And where is it that we're seeing a continue for these Hollywood production companies? But we got to keep making these movies. You know, there was definitely a draw. Video games have never dwindled. I feel like you know, no matter what time period we're in, there's always fans. So it's like, where is it that they keep having the desire to keep making them? And what's interesting, you look at you know sometimes also this the studios and who was making what. This is a time span of from 2007 through 2009. 20th Century Fox released five different video game based movies and none of them grossed higher than 101 million and you gotta think most of these movies probably cost you know depending on the budget around there it's just crazy to think that they're like let's keep making them you know there's a a tekken movie i've never even heard of a tekken movie that came out from warner brothers uh because it probably wasn't it might have been released in america that you know it had a zero percent on ron tomatoes a zero percent well, and look at one movie that was really, you know, um, I was really bummed out because, again, you and I are huge fans of another great franchise. Talking about the console games, Assassin's Creed. What a what a letdown that movie was. And that was like, it was perfectly cast, too, because like, Fassbender, oh, my God, this is going to be epic. And the fact that he was the one that gunned for it. He learned about the games. He played the games. He liked that story of these are characters that are in present day that are going through this device that brings it back to their their ancestors the problem with assassin's creed was definitely uh it was a big editing thing and it was like there wasn't enough time spent in the past and i'm like we don't want to see them in the future with this device we want to see this assassin part that's what that's why you play the games you don't play it for like them discovering the secrets in the future and it was a bummer because i think some of the trailers looked so good this is definitely a time period where we're getting much better with graphics. I mean, you know, right before this in the same year, Warcraft came out, uh, you know, obviously from Blizzard uh, with Universal Pictures, currently ranked as the highest grossing video game to film adaptation. It made just over $439 million. Now, I saw Warcraft. I've never played much of the Warcraft games. I wasn't a World of Warcraft guy. And that movie looks pretty good. You know, I mean, again, it's a lot of CGI, but the orcs and everything, like there's a great visualization to that game, to that movie. Maybe not, you know, again, a plot that I 100% love, but it had a great look to it. And it's, you know, I think people went to go see it because whether they're fans of the game or they know of the game series, they wanted to come see that. It's such a well, it's such a household name of video games. If you think of it like World of Warcraft, it's like you don't have to play the game to know how amazing or how beloved it is. Well, like that that brings me to, you know, a game that I always wanted to play, but I never had a chance to buy them. I, I either I didn't have that system or it kind of passed me. And actually I've, I've been kind of hoping that they uh, do some remakes to the new systems is the Prince of Persia games. Ooh, I always wanted to play those games. Yes. Yeah, and I actually, I thoroughly, I pretty enjoyed Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time. I do agree with, that came out in 2010. This is all kind of earlier than the time where we've really been discussing correct casting choices when it comes to ethnicity. You know, it's been a big push lately in Hollywood. I do agree that, if you look at Jake Gyllenhaal, you're not automatically going to go like, oh, yeah, he looks like a Persian guy. But it worked in the film, you know, for what it was. It was a big Disney studio hit movie. I thought it had a lot of great moments. There's some really cool action sequences in that. It's got, you know, big budget. I enjoyed it. It made 
just over $336 million. So it did pretty it was well. High, it was the highest grossing until Warcraft came out. Yeah, and it, it, it didn't get a sequel, unfortunately, but I liked that movie. I thought it was pretty fun. And so I think when it is a success, like when they can do enough of the plot of the game, solid casting, it gets a decent draw, you can call it a success. But there's been a lot of misses. But, you know, before we continue to talk about this, Taylor, let's take a break. And we'll be right back. In the resort community of Splats Creek, Sandy and Freddy didn't always fit in. You know what I tell you? This is life. You know, no worries. All the flies. Yum. <laughs> wow, that was disgusting. There's got to be more than this. You know, I'm, I'm tired of just being a pond scum scraper, Dad. Uh, son, uh, you know, this is our family business. I was a pond scum scraper, my father was, and his father before him, and his father before him. Until the day they took an epic journey that would change their lives forever. Whoa, whoa, is that? Uh, I believe that's what they call a road. And... I'm not really in the mood for connecting with people right now. Road Toad! Come on, you guys! You know, I, I can see flies for miles! Let's do it! I'm starving! <laughs> and I believe that's our cue to leave. We have to cross that road. There's something better waiting out there for us. Uh, I'm gonna pass. I'm not really in the mood to end up as a roadkill tonight. Paramount Pictures and Sega invites you to enjoy the family-friendly animated hit. Come on, let's do this! Jay Baruchel, Dan Levy, Seth Rogen, Emma Stone, Keegan-Michael Key, Timothy Chalamet, and Eugene Levy. I really regret this decision. Frogger, hopping into theaters summer 2024. And now, for another edition of Video Game History. I say, Charles, the other day in the library I discovered the most unusual document. What was it, Henry? It was a long list of dates. I think in reference to this acronym. F-A-S. Ah, yes. I have studied F-A-S before. These dates are very old. What on earth does it even mean? First animal shooter. I beg your pardon? You heard me correctly. First animal shooter. Are you actually telling me that? Yes. Yes, I am. Long before the dawn of man, there was a great war among the animals using primitive weapons. The strongest survived using a technique only few have mastered. The first animal shooter. That sounds made up. Poppycock. Isn't there a different name for all those games that kids play these days? Yes. Once humans existed, eventually one perfected the animal's technique, and being the original user, became the first person shooter. That sounds completely ridiculous. Fair enough. Pub? Good show, old chap. This has been another edition of Video Game History. And we're back. What a nice break it was. Our first break of the season. Oh, what a nice break. Well, Taylor, we were talking earlier about these video game and film adaptations. You know, those that have been successful, most have been a huge miss. Tomb Raider, you know, we talked about earlier, Angelina Jolie, a very successful two films. You know, again, the second film didn't do as well, but there then was a recasting and a new attempt and I think this new one with Alicia has been very successful, um, especially because if you've been playing the newer video games by Crystal Dynamics, we've had Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Those games definitely, first off, they did a slight redesign, a more authentic looking Laura Croft. She's not just a big boobed bimbo with two guns anymore. She's really a fierce smart intelligent warrior and she's you know and and also the fact that you have a, an origin story 
and you see that throughout the game she's very untested and the game can be brutal oh man can it be brutal she gets it's so many things happen to her it's so you're like how many things can this woman take but we had yeah this new version of tomb raider i mean it did pretty well money wise stunner 275 million dollars but i feel like a lot of that movie i remember i was i saw it in canada i was on tour at the time it followed kind of the basic nature of the new video games you know they kind of stuck to a plot but certain things are when she has to run through areas when she has to use her you know bow and arrow her survival skills there was a lot of stuff that i was like that's what that's what the video game is like so that's why this movie makes sense to me and she is getting a sequel which is great so there's a continuation for this franchise i don't know exactly when uh, right now there's a assumed title of tomb raider obsidian Ooh, look out yeah. uh but she's getting to continual you know a next movie so i'm excited to see what happens with that franchise i think again if they find the right story it can really be a, a hit oh and and we talked about casting i thought alicia vikander was very yeah, well done for that and well critics done, even yeah. said that she was very is a good unobjectified heroine and i think that was really great and i think lend itself to this is a good casting choice. Also, you've got a young actress who could lead a potential long franchise if they wanted to, or, you know, the powers that be. Um, but absolutely. Now, you know, because we talked about like video game franchises, we're doing live action. We do have one live action that I was, uh, I, I really actually enjoyed this uh, more than I, I thought I was, but I knew I was going into this film just because I had to see it because I love the franchise. We both do. And that was uh, Detective Pikachu. I was very excited about you know what was going to happen and i thought this was like this is kind of a long overdue for them to do a live action film well even just the trailer dropped and it was like oh we're getting a pokemon movie where pikachu's voice is ryan reynolds and it was like how does that even work so there was that mystery element but we had never had a movie with live action pokemon and it was yeah very long overdue and it was a hit i mean the movie was very fun i i think as someone that grew up with pokemon you know i got the cards i played the video games i watched the show i went to see the movies in theater and i loved you know collecting all that stuff much much of the chagrin of my dad (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) seeing all those pokemon like cgi very well done live action but still have that cartoony element it was like my inner childhood was so happy watching that movie it was very funny and it, it made me feel that when the movie ended, I was like, we definitely could have a sequel with these characters, but also we could do so many different movies in the world of Pokemon live action. In this, in, in, yeah, you could stick with the Detective Pikachu or we could go back to the original stories of the, the Game Boy games or tap into the shows. It's just like one of those things where you have like a franchise, like a universe, like the MCU, you've got the Star Wars universe, Pokemon it's so great, and I would love to see more, you know, live action adaptations. And same thing with like the franchise itself. It was nice for them to see take new chances, new risks. And this was one of those examples where the risk was well worth the reward. Yeah, it was a smart story, and it paid off. So I hope we get to see more Detective Pikachu and other Pokemon live action films, or even TV series in the future. Um, another one that actually, I, I, again, it was one that I was like, it probably won't be that great, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I would was, you know, especially for arcade fans, that's where I really played this more than uh, console based was the adaptation of Rampage starring again, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This trailer dropped out and it was like, it totally makes sense to have a movie where you know, there's he he's basically, you know, friends with this giant gorilla that then is going to be transformed into a, the mega gorilla. And then there's the big crocodile and the giant like, you know, wolf. I remember playing those games and it was so fun. You know, you go around and destroy buildings and have to fight each other. So to see this live action, just crazy bonkers movie, it was one of those like, I'm not expecting Oscar noms from this. I'm just here to have a fun time at the theater. I'm having my popcorn. I'm enjoying it. And the movie did pretty well. 428 million pretty well, which I do think is a, is a draw of the rock. I mean, he just, 
draws people out. And now, which is crazy, is you know, he's done Doom, he's done Rampage, he has now been teasing us that he's now starting either this year or next year to start filming a new mega video game franchise he's been playing for years that he loves that he's going to star in and bring to the big screen. This could be one of several, several, you know, who knows? Like he hasn't told us what it is yet. I'm sure by the end of this year, we'll be told what that is. But I mean, gosh, I think when you have a big star, it can really draw out anybody to come see a movie. And I think someone like The Rock has that power. Another person has that power, which is why our next film did pretty well and has a sequel coming out next month is our beloved Jim Carrey popping in to Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. And this, I think for you and I, and we, we talked about this, we were so excited to see this film just because of Jim Carrey. I didn't care. I mean, Sonic, I played, I, I had, I never had a Sega. I never, you know, owned any of the games, but I played them and I was aware of Sonic, but I was more drawn here because of Jim Carrey and the trailer. I was like, yes, we're getting a tour de force back to his comedy roots. And, you know, and cause he hadn't been anything in uh, any lot big uh, budget movies or any big movies in a while. Yeah. It was kind of crazy to see him, you know, and it's one of those things where, is this something that's really for the role itself or is this just a check? And I do feel like Jim was looking for another big goofy role like that. And it just was a, it was a fitting match. I kind of feel like I've, I've kind of gone back and forth since when we did our inaugural episode on Jim Carrey and we talked about, you know, roles that we loved of his roles that were kind of questionable. I did kind of go into extensive re, you know, talk about Robotnik and yeah, you weren't, you were pretty brutal. I wasn't, I was kind of brutal then. And I, I'm kind of <laughs> taking a step back because I think it's one of those things where Again, I think my my you know my point of view was because I'm seeing a similar comedy role to what he really did in the '90s and 2000s that at that age really tickled my funny bone. I'm in my 30s now seeing this, and maybe it doesn't everything hit me the way it does. I have to kind of take a step back and look at it more of like this is that over the top villain, the Batman villain that is you know like it's a goofy role to be goofy. You know, this guy isn't really a serious character. And I'll tell you the little bits he's had so far in the trailers for Sonic two have yes. really made me laugh. Like Papa's got a brand new stash. Yeah. So I'm excited to see Sonic two. I think Sonic was a fun movie. It wasn't like groundbreaking in like the best way, but like it was so fun. I think it had a great comedy the obviously the redesign in sonic was much appreciated that first trailer dropped remember when everyone was like that's not our sonic oh that was and that talk about controversy and this is very interesting because this is the first time we're seeing this with a video game uh, adaptation where and speaking up yeah and power of the internet and the power of fan service was like no this is bad and they're like okay we're gonna we're gonna fix this because and that is great to see a studio like, we want to give the people our audience because these are for the gamers. And they realize that's our target audience. We need to make them happy as best as possible. And they had this cool, unique story that made like fun and funky sense. And like, as you said, with the trailer, how that movie ended up, I'm like, this could be an ongoing franchise that I would want to stick with because there's so much they could do with it. And I'm very excited. We're having Knuckles come in, voiced by Idris Elba is going to be awesome. But yeah, I mean, you know, I you said you'd never had like a Sega. My first ever console of my life was a Sega Genesis. Ooh, I'm learning something new about you. <laughs> yeah. The first ever console I had was a Sega, Sega Genesis. I wasn't a I wasn't a kid that had like Super Nintendo or anything like that. I started See, with Sega Genesis. It was me. Until N sixty four after that. Um, I had a, I had a I had a Jaguar. Oh, I Jaguar. How about that? I know we're dating ourselves here. <laughs> yeah, guys. There used to be consoles. Pitfall way back then. <laughs> that was my game. Anyway. But um I, I always loved, like, I would play Sonic, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic 2. So I've been a fan of those games. And there's some really cool games coming up. I mean, there's a, there's a whole open world Sonic game being developed right now. So I think if Sonic 2 does really well, we could see a continuation because there's so many other characters in the Sonic universe. On that note, thinking about that, because what I, it was kind of teased because in Sonic, for those of you who've seen this, you haven't seen it, you know, well, spoiler alert. 
uh, Sonic travels through different universes with rings. And it was kind of interesting. One of the worlds was this mushroom world. And we got Detective Pikachu. We got Sonic. Implications for a possible Super Smash Brothers movie. Possible connection to... I know, right? I'm just saying, like, putting it out there in the universe. I'm, put, I'm putting that on my vision board. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about these movies that have come out. You know, recently there was, uh, you know, also the pandemic, a Monster Hunter movie, which I've not played any of those video games. We, we had Mila. Mila, you know, back to do a, a new movie. That one, it felt like it came and went very quick. Uh, again, this was kind of the time period where movies weren't really getting a lot of time in theaters. You know, they kind of came and come out. As we said, the new Mortal Kombat. Werewolves Within is one that I remember seeing a trailer for, but it didn't really have much time in theaters, I think. This was bad timing. Um, it made not even a million, which is sad. Uh, and then the recent Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, which I did not see. Um, I've heard I've heard it's closer to some of the video games, but again, not worth really seeing. So we're left now to 2022 and beyond. Like we said, we just had Uncharted come out. You know, Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg being cast in what is notably a very beloved franchise. Stay tuned this week. We will have our review on that film. So we're not going to talk too much about Uncharted. But right now, for being this time period where we're still getting these big budget movies come out, there's a lot on the docket coming up. There's a lot of movies being planned. A lot planned, more than I realized. My goodness. And even TV shows that are being planned that are based on video game franchises. You know, this is not going away anytime soon, which, again, if it's done well, I'm all for it because it is something fun about you're at home playing the video game, go home and, you know, go to the theater that night, go see the movie. You know, I think there's a cool element to that. Well, well, kind of like, yeah, continuing your your own experience where it's like, oh, and, and, you know, on the flip side, on a side note, you think about all the movie franchises that come out and then the failed, you know, video game adaptations of the movies. Another uh, sub episode could happen. But, you know, think about how that never really because you're like, oh, we got to get this game out here quickly to do that. But when you take the time to do it right, but let's let's rattle off some of these ones coming up. And some of these I'm pretty surprised. I would not think they're making <laughs> a movie out of a game. So like we've got we talked about Sonic Hedgehog 2 is coming. Uh, in April, which we will have the review for that. We got Borderlands uh, to be announced, which is going to be exciting. Um, I have played that series. Gears of War, uh, one of our favorite games of the last year and two years. Ghost of Tsushima, already going to have a movie planned. But the guy who's been doing the John Wick films is going to be doing that. So I'm just, I'm imagining the action that could be insane. Um, a Mega Man film, which, I mean, if they do it live action, I guess that could be interesting uh minecraft yeah how the hell are you gonna make minecraft the movie i've never played any minecraft game i don't get the minecraft minecraft world. more like minecraft <laughs> i get it for i get it for younger audiences but um not one that i'm necessarily interested in uh metal gear solid this has been a franchise i think has been overdue for a movie for a while because easily you know could get a movie with this series um I'm really curious to see who they would cast. Um, you know, actually, top of my head, who I think would be really good casting, being that he didn't get one of the things we're going to talk about in just a minute. The guy who played uh, Jamie Lannister. I think you 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 get him up as a snake. I think it'd be kind of cool, wouldn't you think? I I could see that. Well, well, what are the rumors? Wasn't the rumor mill though? Oscar Isaac was. Um... Oh, Oscar Isaac. Man, I don't know if he's booking like him. He's booking like a crazy man. I know. So I don't know. I'm like, dude, get him while he's hot. Um, And then because we talked about Mortal Kombat 2, we also have, interesting enough, I never played these games, a Portal film. There was the Portal games. This, I think, from the footage I've seen of the games could be really awesome because it's kind of like a first-person puzzle game that is kind of horror-esque, you know? Kind of makes me think a little bit of 2001 space odyssey with some yeah. of the vibes i'm getting so i think that it could be done really well if they they nail it right well speaking of space we're going very retro we're going to get a space invaders game go back to the arcade folks <laughs> space invaders i feel like they need to do it like very over the top and cheesy like very uh funny comedy like seth rogan he's a star in space invaders like aliens there i'm trying to kill them <laughs> you know and they and they have to do a moment where they have cannons and they're shooting just straight up 
and you know it's like rose of <laughs> the space invaders uh we get like i said we have two major sequel saints rose getting a movie is yakuza is getting a, a uh just cause movie. i know the just cause games just and dance. also just dance and just dance <laughs> what just dance now I was like of course we're not just talking about films you know we've we've mentioned many times uh on this podcast how really the new successful medium in storytelling is television you know getting to do a series whether that's a limited one season only or multiple seasons to tell a story and we have a few that are coming out in the next year alone uh based on some really big properties so first off coming up i think right in march i think it is halo yes coming out on paramount plus looks awesome oh i've not been i've not played many of the halo games i never was an xbox guy so i only played if i went to a friend's house this looks like huge budget looks awesome i'm very excited for the halo series i can tell if i was a huge fan of the series like i am like uncharted like i'm gonna be very critical about what they do with uncharted because i've played all those games multiple times and i love them so much i love those characters i don't know the halo world that well i know there's master chief yeah. there's aliens they fight i the know covenant the, we know the that. laser yeah yeah so I'm like, to me, I won't be that upset if there's things that they don't include in that. I think we'll enjoy it maybe more because we're like this. We we love a good space action. Because I'm the general fan, so yeah. I can get why people would be. I'm the Colonel fan. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one that you and I, huge fans of this game series, it has redefined the zombie series, the survival series. Some great character work. Just overall, two great games, and we hope we get to have more games in the future. Uh, we are getting that Last of Us series coming out on uh, HBO, I think, later this year with our good pal Pedro Pascal, The Mandalorian. I really think that that is a video game series that could lend to a multiple season show because there's so much time that passes. You know, Last of Us starts, there's the big zombie apocalypse starts, and then there's like you know, several years later to when you actually start playing the game. The second one feels like it's much, you know, many years later. So there's so much time span they could do. And man, the visualization of some of those settings in a film setting with the zombies, the clickers, oh man, it's going to be intense. I think it's going to be nerve wracking. If they have that King Rat guy, I'm going to be, that's it. Oh over. yeah, it's like game it's over. over. It's like a game over, man. Game over. Uh, game but over. Yeah. Um. Oh my god. Yeah. And I think that's one we've been excited for for quite a while. But the casting choice for that's going to be epic. Fallout is planning to have one. Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy has been a series. You know, one of the biggest long, long lasting video game franchises with multiple uh, main series games, spin off games, multiple consoles. They've had a few of these animated films. You know, these like Final Fantasy VII film. They never really had a live action. I feel like it could be really interesting if they had the budget to see a really well thought out big Final Fantasy series. I almost wonder if it's too late. I don't know where Final Fantasy sits nowadays with fans as being something people still like to play or not. It's, you know what, to me, like, uh, and, and I hope I'm not making anyone mad out there. If I am, I guess we lose one listener. Uh, Final Fantasy is a very niche series of video games. It's so you can't really it's not like mario or pokemon it's very niche so uh you know i don't know you know i obviously there's a fan base because they've still been churning out games you know left and right and obviously with the new consoles it's more visually stunning um you know but hey there's other franchise you know and we've seen their collaboration video games to kingdom hearts so hey there's a franchise i mean talk about you know that could be a whole other topic there's so many other games that they need to be a movie have not been picked that visually could yeah exactly uh, one I remember playing when I was younger, Twisted Metal. Ooh, nice. Is is due to get a series, you know, the creepy clown that uh, drives oh, yeah. the, the truck around and stuff. <laughs> yeah. One that I've not played, but you played very recently. And you said it's been really kind of an interesting game. And, you know, we've, we've had multiple versions of vampires and different things. But the game Vampire, with a Y, yeah. uh, is due to Vampire. get a series as well. Uh, Vampire. Um, what do you think that could be if that was to happen? That's that's currently in development. Well, having only played maybe like a quarter of the game, I did enjoy it. What was interesting about that style, because 
most of the vampire stuff we've had has been more modern times, teen angst. That was a very, a very brutal kind of supernatural, you know, you wouldn't just fight vampires. There was like otherworldly threats. And I also was set during the Spanish uh, influenza epidemic. So I thought that was really interesting take. I could see it kind of being a bit of like an underworld thing, but like a little bit more like a really cool Gothic horror kind of style. Um, So very, you know what? I also kind of combining a bit of the underworld series, you know, with, in terms of all the different kind of factions, you know, lycanthropes and vampires, but also having like, um, interview with a vampire where it is very um it's not all it's more practical effects more that less cgi hokey stuff and more ruthless vampires i could see yeah i would love to see like yeah, a dark sinister take uh more of like a like the what is the government of you know vampires down you know another under underground and how they all function and the the almost game of thrones like you know who who works with who, who works against who, who's conspiring. That'd be kind of interesting. And, and I like, and I also like the take of some of the vampire, you know, stuff we've seen where they have like, you know, they've influenced, you know, uh, events of history and things like that. So, you know, almost similar to like what Assassin's Creed does where they, they have been part of, you know, so that, that I didn't realize was going to come out. And I was like, you know, I think that the game itself was an interesting, you know, also what was cool about the game is there's a very interesting choice system where you could like, because you are a doctor who is made vampire, you don't know who turned you, but you have that Hippocratic oath to do no harm. So it's like, do I try not to uh, kill or do, you know, and then it would, your powers would change depending on if you were more ruthless in the game or you were selective of how you fed on people. It was so yeah, there's there's a lot that could do with that. And that was an interesting, like, oh, you know, here's the thing where you have these franchises where they're going to, you know, a one-off game. Or you've got, you know, Final Fantasy, Mario, where, like, okay, let's, you know, I think that's maybe a smart choice to take some of these move, uh, games that maybe aren't, you know, hugely popular and kind of use the, you know, use what they kind of started as good bare bones for a series or movie. You also bring up an interesting concept is... The discussion of if one day we would have movies or television series where you get to choose what happens, which they did that with Netflix. They did that with an episode of Black Mirror. There was that Black Mirror film where you got to, you know, they filmed the multiple scenes and depending on what you chose is how the episode went. There's easily they could do the thing where you as an audience get, you know, the seats have a button, you know, A, B, C, D. And it gets to the point of the movie and everyone votes and whoever has the highest vote tally, that's what happens. And so there, there is the future of potentially controlling, like a video game, what happens in the storyline. Could, could you imagine a theater experience and someone like guys like, I pick C, you bastards. Which I mean, yeah, it could lead to, you know, you're like, I desperately want to go see this movie and get that one ending. And I always keep seeing the people would keep pay- people would keep paying. We'll like, keep paying, ooh. or that's when then they include that with the DVD purchase or something. You know? Exactly. But, so, so who knows? The future is is wide open, and I do feel like we're in a we're just in an overall really good situation of filmmaking, especially with television. That I do feel like the video game adaptation franchise that genre is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon, and even. The video games that are coming out now on PS5, you know, Xbox, they're they're so high def with the graphics and it's so realistic with the 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 cutscenes that we well could see, you know, even down the line motion cap movies. Very you know, a lot of the a lot of the video games nowadays that have these cutscenes are motion cap actors. We could see a continuation of a full CGI films with just that and so it is still considered animated but almost like avatar well i mean look at look at some success some movies like beowulf and polar express obviously polar so it's kind of creep me out um but uh it still does but no you're right i mean think about these successful games that we've seen these graphics were like uncharted last of us let's do that and make an animated film or cgi film like that so then not only you're getting the experience of the game um but you're 
you're making people more immersive into the film because like only this is what i visualized and you could you could do so much and then you could use the voice actors from the games because i think that is that is the thing that is a hard thing to grasp is we talked about the casting choices you know like i i think of you know speaking of uncharted you know that we're going to review this week it's like i look at nathan drake and i think nolan north i don't think tom holland because i've been used to that voice you know this entire time and but it's something you have to get used to right you know thinking about an, another huge uh performer and one of my favorites you know, talk about last of us troy baker who did joel i mean he's done the middle earth games the batman games uh he was also in uncharted as sam drake so yeah you have these people these iconic voices i would love to get their credit and do and have them in film and TV. And yeah, that's the problem when you, you have a perfect casting choice in a video game and like who could possibly, and there's, there's only been very, there's very few choices that have been made that were like great. Other ones are like, come on, there was so much, so many better choices you could have done. So who knows what's going to happen in the future, but definitely as more properties come out, we will of course review them here on the potential podcast, but folks, Thank you for listening today to our inaugural episode of season three. Uh, We're so happy to be back and we're looking forward to a really nice season. We got some, as we said, special guests coming up along the way. So stay tuned. We'll be back with you guys in two weeks time for our next big episode. But until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Taylor. Thanks for listening. Remember, know your your potential. potential. (laughs) Oh gosh every time we'll get it in post thanks for listening to the potential podcast you can follow us on instagram and facebook at the potential podcast or on twitter at the potential pod or you can email us send us your positive feedback and thoughts suggestions and more through our email the potential podcast at yahoo.com i'm your host chris dewar and i'm your host taylor sokol stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture entertainment and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.